It's so honored to be with you wherever you are catching us from. Um, I'm going to be doing some uh, continuation from Pastor's message. And as the people are moving around, just take a moment and close your eyes for me if you're going to be in here. And uh, just allow yourself to think about who God is to you. And Holy Spirit, I thank you because there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that can be successful, Lord. Use us. May our ears and our hearts be open to receive exactly what you have in store for us today. Lord, I yield my mouth, I yield my thoughts to you, that you may minister exactly what you want your people today to, to hear, Lord. Or the ones that are in this room with so many things going on, and they chose to be in this room. And those that are watching online right now, Lord, that are partaking of what you have in store through this ministry, Lord, I pray that today is that this time, and those that will, that will be partaking of this later, Lord, I speak a blessing by your spirit, through your mighty name, Father God, I pray. Amen and amen. Um, we're going to be continuing with this deep waters topic. You know, one thing that amazes me is I've learned to reach a point and I want to slow down. I've realized the busier you get, or the busier we're getting, the less effective we're becoming. And it's like when you have kids like I do, <laughs> my wife is going, I am going, and you get these small pauses to, to, to thank God for what he has done and to thank him for what he's brought you through. You get a moment to praise him. But I'm realizing that no matter how small they are, if they're consistently repeated, they're actually more effective. They make the rest of the day worth it. They make the rest of the work that you do worth it. What am I talking about? Is in the Roman church, there was something going on, and I'm going to use Romans chapter 1, verses 21. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So it's like, how did their hearts get darkened? Started with a thought. The busier we become, our thoughts become more um, in, in number. We begin to worry about so many things, so many, especially now, jobs and uh, income, marriages, uh, childcare. I mean, there's so many things coming in, and then we start to think, and what our thinking does makes our hearts darken. And then professing to be wise, we actually become fools. Because we think, I've figured out how to make life work. If I do this, 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 and this, and I get two plus two over here, and I increase my savings, and I do this, if I, had, if I had a little more money here, if I worked an extra job over here, if I did this, 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 and this, then we're, in the eyes of who we know, we're really becoming wise. But in the eyes of God, he's saying, actually, you need more time with me and not time elsewhere. Because if we believe that God is the source of our life, but in our actions, in our behavior, we're saying what we're doing is the source of our salvation, then there's really a misunderstanding, and the devil loves that. The devil's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to blow you up to be wise because you invested your money, and now your money has doubled. But what the devil won't tell you is when sickness comes, money won't be able to save you. And you see, this is what is going on in the, in the Roman church. Paul is, is addressing it, verses 23. And, you know, 
and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible God and birds and the four-footed animals and the creeping things. What am I talking about here is you remember when the children of Israel come from Egypt. And before they leave Egypt, everything is, they're celebrating, they're joyful, they have been given gifts. I remember the last night that they were in Egypt, people in Egypt handed gifts of gold and silver and, and all kinds of minerals, and these guys are leaving Egypt. Pharaoh has finally freed them. They are on their way to the promised land, and they reach somewhere in the wilderness, and Moses goes up to the mountain to talk to God, and you know what they did? they got the very same gifts and made a golden calf out of it. And the Bible says, and they started to worship the golden calf. This is something that the Lord has been showing me is as sometimes you think you're growing deeper because you're getting busier, but you're really not. Sometimes, you, sometimes we think that what we know about God is because of how, how our life is. And actually, it's, it is the reverse. How much of God I know is how much peace I have amidst of what I'm going through, that nothing else will compete with God's presence in my life. Nothing can take the place of God in, in my life. I, there's several examples in the Bible that I could use. The Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is, before his crucifixion, he has this moment where he goes up to the mountain and and Moses and Elijah are present up there with him, and he has taken his disciples with him. And long story short, after the end of the whole mission here, Elijah is representing the prophets, and Moses is representing the law. So to Jesus, this is a fulfillment of a prophetic moment that has been going on through the Old Testament. He's meeting with Moses to represent the law and Elijah to represent all the prophecies and the, and the prophets before John. And here is a moment that means something, that everything is being fulfilled so a mission can be carried on. But look what my friends say. Hey, Jesus, can we build three shrines up here? One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. They had never seen something like this. And do you realize that in the whole world today, we have religious places that we go to, and instead of encountering the God that we need to encounter, we've made the place become God, and we go there to enjoy. I'll give you a good example. You go to India, you go to the Taj Mahal. Man, they I, I don't even think the God they worship in there is, still lives. The, the Taj Mahal is a tomb. People make voyages from all over the world to go experience the Taj Mahal. There's so many places, soulless places, that because of the search of what happened in, in our hearts, the, that we search for these answers. And I want to take you back to where it all happened. It all happened in Genesis. Because that one short verse where, where Adam and Eve get tempted, something left them. Their fellowship with the Father, the Spirit of God was separate from, from them. And that gap could not be filled. And today, that gap has been tried to be filled by religion. That gap has tried to be filled by 
money. That gap has tried to be filled by marriage. That gap has tried to be filled by so many things. And we think as we're getting wiser, maybe we're so close to an answer that now even governments are, are, are playing a role in fulfilling the purpose of God in our lives. We have government systems. You have, you have capitalism. You have socialism. You have democracy. I mean, we could go down this line and we'll find that none of all those things can fulfill the desire for God that you have. But you hold so much power that you can turn all that stuff around by saying, God, I need you. I know we can sing all day and say, God, I love you. And we also say, God, I love pizza. Someplace, somewhere, it becomes, what is it going to be to change our life's direction? I, I was sharing with the choir last night. I said, this is how important to be Christ-centered is, to be centered on his word is. If you have an eye problem, who do you go to? The optometrist. If you have an ear, mouth, and throat problem, you go to an ear, mouth, throat doctor. If you have a problem with, if you think it's cancer, you go to an oncologist. If you have an electrical problem, you go to the electrical man. If you have a religious problem, you go to a pastor. <laughs> or whatever religion you're in, that's who you go to. If ever any of their words supersedes the word of God and the role in your life, you have created an idol. I'm not saying don't go to a dentist if your teeth is hurting, but if the dentist's word is the final word, that's what I'm talking about. God can use the dentist, but God's word is final. I've seen God change situations because I've seen people who have been dedicated their life to what God says. I have a friend of mine, his name is Ivan, he's from Uganda, and he lives here in, in Holland. And as we were growing up, uh, at some point he got cerebral malaria. Uh, it's a malaria that affects your brain. And the doctors did whatever they could do in the hospital. And they pronounced him dead. Like I said, he's here in Holland, but they pronounced him dead in Uganda. So, um, I remember the pastor of the ministry that I was at got the call that one of your musicians is, is in the hospital, and he's on a deathbed. He's pretty much dead. They're just waiting for the last words. And the pastor says, that's not what the Lord is saying. He didn't even come to the hospital. He sent his watch. He said, take this watch and put it on his hand. And long story short, they get to the hospital. They put the watch on his hand, and he starts breathing. He wakes up. He, he hadn't going, gained his cognitive senses yet. It took a lot of time, but he was up. They brought a keyboard, and he started playing the keyboard. But as he was discovering where the chords were, his mental state was coming back. Everything that he had lost in his cognitive state came back in that moment. I'm talking about a real living testimony. He lives in Holland, Michigan. So these are things that I'm talking about that I'm not saying that you're not going to get challenged. But if you really believe that the Word of God cannot be moved, then God is going to require you to do some things, to go some way deeper, to go some way in the understanding that you have, to believe what He says so you can see it in your life in operation. I had a friend of mine who said this, People going nowhere never want to go alone. People doing nothing never want to do it alone. If you go to Luke chapter 5, 
verses 4 and 6. This is, I'm going to pick up a story here that I'm going to spend the rest of the night in. This is a story where John, Peter, and James are at the lake, and, and they're, they've had a bad business day. This is, they had their own business. They were, they were the head of the fisheries. They, they, this is how they fed their household. This is how, this is how their, their whole family, they were partners. When you read the story, you'll see the father, the brothers, the cousins. Everybody was involved in this fishing business for the family. And this is at the Sea of Galilee. And I'm going to pick it up where Jesus shows up and, and he's sitting in John's boat. And after he's done teaching, what he tells them. So look 5. Verses 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered him and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. Let me give you a slight picture here. So the Sea of Galilee is like this central place in this like kind of the Capernaum area, Nazareth. It's kind of a, a, a lake that was unifying those cities. Now, they could, during the day, the lake was so clear, you could see the bottom of the lake at this time. Most of the fishing was being done at night. And they always fished along the shoreline. Why? Because the currents that were blowing along the shore would bring the fish through the river Jordan into the lake. So they would catch the fish before it went too deep into the lake, so all their nets would be along the shore. So there's a reason why in the, Luke is pointing out that they were on the shore of the lake in the morning washing their nets when Jesus shows up. In other words... In the eyes of John, the master fisherman who has been feeding his family for a very long time through this business and has encountered a point where he's going to go home without fish. He has done everything he knows how to do. He has come at the right time to fish. He's fishing in the right zone of the lake. He's fishing where the fresh fish comes. And today, there's nothing. His entire family is there. The other fishermen are there. The interesting part of this whole story is they were so tired and they're cleaning the nets that evening. But Jesus shows up and he begins to teach about faith and begins to teach about the kingdom of God. Look what happens. Jesus tells John, launch out into the deep. I want to take a pause. Think about it for a moment. You have your profession. You have your business. You are an electrician. You know how electricity works. And you need conductors. And you know how the car works. You know, you know what you need when your tire has broken down. You know what you need if you drive that Uber. You know exactly where to park. And then someone comes and says, do it different. If I'm John, I want to ask, I am the professional here. You're telling me to go fishing in the noon hour of the day with the sun out, and you're telling me to go deeper where we don't catch anything when we go deeper? What is God speaking to you about this? 
What are some areas you felt like, I have been on the shore. I know how to do this. I've done this. I've done all my investments online. I have invested this. I have my insurance. And then you have a situation where the insurance you have is not enough, where the money you have is not enough, where the things you can do are not enough. And, and then you hear that voice saying, can you go deeper? Can you change from what the normal reality was and go into what I'm calling you to do? Can you switch lanes and trust my word? If you notice, no other fisherman follows. The people are standing on the shore watching James and John go deep into the lake. I think everybody is, is watching and saying, if this didn't work, that is not going to work. Let's just watch and see if this word of Jesus Christ, if this gospel of Jesus Christ can come through for these people. As you go on reading, they go in the, in the difference. That's why I said, sometimes the people that you're holding on, the people that you trust in, the pastor that you trust in, the doctor that you trust in, the scientists that you believe in, the country that you believe in, is going to stand on the shore because they don't understand the word that you hear. They don't understand the word that you believe. They don't understand the source of your faith. And they're going to watch you and see, can you go farther without them? Maybe it's your family. They're like, no, you can't do this. You can't do this without me. And they're going to stand beside and watch how far deeper can you go by yourself? And the Bible says the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. So when you have the Word of God, it's easy to go deep. But it's not easy when you look behind and see your family on the shore and they're not cheering you on. I want to make this into a David Living translation. I don't see anybody on the seashore saying, go John, go James, Jesus said go. I see like this kind of pin drop silence because everybody at the lake knows mm, this is not normal. This is not how it works. This is not how you get your blessing. The Lord knows the laws of physics. The Lord understands the laws of science. The Lord understands biology. This is not how you get a child. This is not how your business gets blessed. This is not how your marriage survives. This is like we get so much instruction from people that it makes it so difficult to believe the Word of God sometimes. We've been taught unbelief, and we don't even know it. That when moments like this that came to John, he's the only one among all the fishermen willing to leave the shore, the comfortable place of their toil, to go deeper into the ocean at the mention of the word of Jesus. And look what happens. He gets to the deep end. And, and the Bible says he catches so much fish that his net begins to break. And now watch what happens. Everybody at the shore, all of a sudden, now understands. Peter and John are calling, come on. They called all the other boats to come. They caught so much fish in a not-so-ideal location of the lake. I'll repeat that. 
They caught so much fish, not in their professional location. What is God speaking to you? It's, it's some of these things what David says in Psalm 119, 111. It says, your testimonies I have taken as heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Revelation 19.10 says, ha, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It was well known on the Sea of Galilee. Fishermen caught fish only at night. So it's not just one law being broken. They have gone to the deep. It's during the day. <laughs> and they're casting the net in the middle of the lake, not on the shores. It's just amazing that the greatest obstacle in seeing the miraculous power of God is often expertise or settling for the outcomes of your environment. While Jesus is teaching at this moment about the kingdom of God, he's saying your environment could be screaming, oh my God, you're going to die. Your environment could be screaming, you're not going to make it. Your environment could be screaming, you're too stupid. Your environment could be screaming, no, you can't stand this. Your environment could be saying, that is not how you make it in life. Maybe even professionals could be saying, you don't have what it takes. I remember one time I was, I was in school and uh, one of the professors wanted to hold me back in one of my classes because definitely I was, I was, I was in, in the, I was the top of the bottom 3%. I didn't like reading. I, it, it was, it, I, had, I had believed and became very okay with being at the bottom of the class because I was told I wasn't smart enough. Because I was told I didn't have what it takes. Because I didn't, I, it was almost like they pushed me to study harder. And the harder I studied, it seems like just something did not click. Something did not sink. <laughs> During tests, I was just okay making average. And then that one day when the professor tells my mom, we need to hold David back in this class one more year. And the professor gives all these reasons why. My mom looks straight into his eyes and says, this kid is smart. Holding him back is not the solution. I took a pause for a moment and I said, who, who have I believed? Who persuaded me without persuading me that I wasn't smart enough? Maybe that's your journey. You have had so much professional advice that now you are at that very same place wondering, Am I a carrier of the mission of the gospel? In other words, this mission can come in my environment and change my environment to produce what I did not have. This word of God can come into my life and produce what I did not have before the word came. And actually, I can use the word of God in my life, speak it out of my mouth into any other situation, and it starts to propagate the things that I didn't know I could receive. What, what is Jesus saying? Can you speak a word to your situation? Because all he did was launch deep and you catch fish. When he said that word, nothing changed until John and James and Peter stopped washing the nets, put them back in the boat, got in the boat, launched deep, 
put the nets in the water. Are you getting what I'm talking about here? That sometimes that process of walking on the Word of God and going into the deeper waters is what Pastor Dwayne was talking about on Sunday, saying apply the Word of God to yourself personally. If you're making points, that's my point number one, ways to go deeper. Say this with me. I take heaven to all my environments. Say it like you mean it. I take heaven to all my environments. Therefore, I carry the mission of the kingdom of God. And God calls you citizens for a reason. A citizen carries the authority of the government they represent. And if you are a citizen of heaven, therefore you carry a different kind of operation system that makes every environment you're in become heaven for as long as you're in it. That's why when you go to the Ugandan embassy in America, you are in Uganda. When I go to the American embassy, in Uganda, I'm in America. The laws of the American country as a federation don't apply when I go to the Ugandan embassy here. And Jesus is saying that you and I are citizens of heaven. We carry a kingdom that cannot be touched. Allow the Holy Spirit to make God's word a reality in your life. I'm closing here. They catch this amount of fish. If you keep reading the story, John says, get away from me because I'm a sinful man. He looks at Jesus and says, I'm a sinful man. And then he says one more statement. What manner of man are you? What kind of man? What are you made of? What's on the inside of you? What do you see that we don't see? You walked into a situation that I would otherwise go home, go hungry, come back tomorrow, and try again. And you walk into a situation that, that I was done. I was washing my nets. And you come in, and you speak a word. Even in my unbelief, I obey anyway. And he is a big catch that my net is breaking. Everybody on the shore is, is, is excited. What manner of man are you? Even the fishermen that did not go in the sea got fish. Everybody on the lake that day went to the market with something to sell. And yet, they all did not have to believe like John and James believed. Here's what I'm saying. Sometimes you're going to be the only one in your household willing to go alone so the entire household can follow. Sometimes you're going to be the only one in your business willing to go for that idea so the entire business can grow. When Moses parted the Red Sea, everybody crossed. But before the Red Sea was parted, they told Moses, 
it would have been better if we had stayed in Egypt. What is God talking to you about? Carefully ponder how the Word of God applies to your life. Avoid negative speculations. And this is 1 Peter 5, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he might devour. He's not a lion. He just roars like one. And so John is looking at Jesus saying, What manner of man are you? You know, one thing I'm, I'm enjoying about the Bible is the humor. You can see Jesus as you're reading this story. Like, he, he almost disappears to the background as everybody gets excited about the miracle. And then when the miracle is the fish is on the shore and everything is done, he comes back on the scene like he wasn't there before. And when he's asked the question, his answer is, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Like, what kind of man are you? No, follow me, and I'll teach you some things. Follow me, and I'll give you some keys. Follow me, and I'll make you like me. Follow me, and you will learn about who I am, because this is who you need to become. Here's what's so interesting, that it took the Holy Spirit to reveal some things to John. John was no longer impressed by the catch of the fish. He was impressed by the kind of man Jesus was. And he wasn't just impressed. He wanted to become like Jesus. How do I know that? That was the last day John went fishing for that moment. He abandoned his father, his cousins, abandoned the business that was feeding his house, and says, if, if I can be like Jesus, I'm going to follow Jesus. Because what this meant is I can go in my environment and do like what Jesus does. I can go into situations and begin to see miracles happen. You see this in John through the book of Acts when all the apostles are together and it says they were in one accord and the tongues fell from heaven, tongues of fire, a wind. And they are so excited in the kingdom of God that they are filled with power and strength that now John and Silas and Peter, in Acts chapter 3, they are going to the temple and they see this man on the beautiful gate who is lame and has been begging for some time. They are like, silver and gold, I have none. But what I have, I give unto you. Do you, do you see what has changed now? Silver and gold, I have none. But what I have, where did he get it from? Where did that confidence come from? I know in whom I have believed, and now I'm persuaded that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to whom who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works on the inside of us. Say this with me. I carry the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. See yourself as God sees you. And here's my last point. Realize the integrity of God's Word. The Bible says that God watches over His Word to perform it.
And he says that none of his word will fall to the ground. But you see in the world that we live today, you walk out this door. For some people, this is, this, this is the house of God, but this isn't. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Some people go to the hospital like it's the shrine of hope. We have elevated man's wisdom. We have elevated the advance in science. We have elevated. We're, we live in such a country that you can see the expanse of the greatness of the wisdom of man, even by just turning on your TV every day. We have come up with cliches, you walk, you don't eat. Cleanliness is next to godliness. We have created a, a philosophy of operation that is not allowing us to dwell on the Word of God. And not just dwell on the Word of God, but believe the Word of God. And not just believe the Word of God, but allow the Word of God to work through us. You didn't get saved so the devil could not touch you. The Bible says the devil knows Scripture. You know how I know the devil knows Scripture? When Jesus was in the wilderness, what did the devil tempt him with? So it's not knowing Scripture that's going to be all and all. It's getting the essence that's in the Scriptures. That's why Jesus responds with Scripture in a way that not even the Pharisees who had been reading the Bible all their life and the Pentateuch understood. He tells them, Luke 24, 45 says, and beginning with Moses, he expounded every scripture. And they realized that he was explaining himself. I don't know what God is speaking to you today, but this is what I'm sensing. There's people in this room, you're saying, David, I needed this. There's people online that are saying, I've been believing God's word for some time. Don't stop. The Word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword to the dividing of soul and spirit. It is the source of your life. John believed it. It changed his circumstance, but went beyond his circumstance. It changed the pursuit of his heart. And I hope as you're in this room and you're watching us online, I hope that's what, what the Word of God is doing to you. If you're in this room... And you want to know this Jesus that I'm talking about. If you're in this room, and maybe you, you're going through some things that are causing you to, to question the hope in Jesus Christ. If you don't mind, bow your heads. If, if you have someone next to you, just hold their hand. I'm going to say a prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the for your people in this room. I thank you for your blood on the cross. I thank you for your death and resurrection. I thank you because you're seated in the heavenly places, high above all powers and principalities. I thank you that we are elevated with Christ in the heavenly places. I thank you that you've blessed us with all spiritual blessings in high places. And I thank you that we are saved. I thank you that we are made new. I thank you that we are renewed. I thank you that it's your spirit at work in us, 
both to will and to do according to your pleasure. And Lord, we humble ourselves under that. Through your mighty name, Father God, I pray. And I believe that your people are touched by your presence. And they are saved in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you don't mind, repeat this prayer after me if you're giving your life to Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the blessing of your Holy Spirit. I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you that I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. I thank you that I'm saved. I thank you that I'm transformed. I thank you that I'm renewed. Through your might name, Father God, I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. I thank you all for being here today and those watching online.